It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, my name's Ian Begley. You're watching the NBA Exchange with Dexter Henry. What is good? Happy Wednesday, everybody. And welcome to the NBA Exchange. I'm your host, Dexter Henry. So glad to join you. Light night of action in the NBA. Only three games last night, but there was one that I know a lot of people had their eyes on here where I am in Brooklyn, New York. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about some news about an NBA arena. It's been kind of iconic. It had a name for a long time. That name will not be there anymore at all whatsoever. So that will be interesting. We'll get to that as well. We'll also talk about some injury updates for some NBA stars that look to be coming back. How soon? We'll get to all that. We'll also talk to Graham Chapel of Peachtree Hoops. He'll be talking to me about the Atlanta Hawks. Got off to a slow start. I've won a couple games in a row, turning things around. We'll talk to him about that. And, you know, it's Wednesday. So y'all know what time it is if you're rocking with the NBA Exchange. My man, Gerard Hector, will be joining us for some NBA with Nuance. Also, helping us on some NBA picks. We didn't do so good last week. Without picks, we hope to do better for you guys this week. But first, let's talk about an arena that will no longer have its name. That is the Staples Center in Los Angeles. Very iconic. When you think about the Staples Center, you got to think about, first, the Lakers, not really the Clippers because it's not really their town. But you think about Shaq and Kobe when it opened in 1999 and the Staples name was slapped on the arena. Now, look. I have never been a fan of corporate names on arenas. Maybe that shows my age, going back a little bit. I like back in the day when you had things like in L.A., the Great Western Forum, right? You know, Boston Garden, you call these places by their name, Gund Arena in Cleveland, uh, Market House Arena in Indianapolis. I love this before corporate names got slapped on it. But that happened at the end of the 90s, and corporate names are on stadiums everywhere. There are very few stadiums in this country that do not have corporate names slapped on it. But Staples Center was one of those, and Staples Center is no more. Staples Center will now be Crypto.com Arena. Nice ring to it, right? Crypto.com Arena. And look, in the cryptocurrency space, Coinbase, a lot of these places are already intertwined with many sports teams. Here in Brooklyn, the Nets are sponsored by Coinbase, so you see that, but now, have their name slapped on the arena in downtown Los Angeles. And this was to the tune of $700 million deal that was reported for the naming rights deal. And look, I don't like naming rights of corporations on arenas, really. I, as I said, I really don't like it. I think my thing for is that if you're going to do it, I love when it is a company or product that is known for that city or that region. Think in the NFL, Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. Heinz Ketchup, made in Pittsburgh. Minute Maid Park in baseball with the Houston Astros. Minute Maid, been headquartered in Houston, born out of Houston. There's that kind of connection there. Obviously, one of the longest-running ones, but it's more of a family thing. Think about Wrigley Field in Chicago, Wrigley Gum. They're based out of Chicago, from Chicago. There's some tie in there. But I think when you have corporations that aren't necessarily tied to the community, yeah, it just doesn't work for me. I'm not a big fan of it at all whatsoever. But when you think of the Staples Center, you got to think of those days of Shaq and Kobe early on, just the iconic look of the Staples Center outside it. And although Staples is not a brand, I think too many people use in the same way they did probably in 1999 anymore. I don't remember the last time I personally had been in the Staples, other than for some office or business reasons. But Staples Center will be no more. It'll be the crypto com arena. I wonder how people are going to shorten this. Are they going to call it the crypt? Are they going to call it something else? What's going to be the nickname? But, you know, everybody tries to have a nickname for these ar arenas now. What's going to be the nickname 
for the crib. And I've already seen some people say this. They're like, look, I knew it as Staples. When it opened, I'm going to call it Staples. That was the name it had. That's what we're sticking with, not changing to, to nothing else. I, I want to bring my producer, Greg, in here for real quick. Greg, especially because pretty much all your life, all you've known is the Lakers as being the team playing in the Staples Center, the Clippers playing there. What do you think it is? What, what, do you like this name? Are you with it or not? No. <laughs> not with it at all? No. I'm still going to call it Staples Center. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're one of the people still calling the Staples Center. Any, yo, the fact that .com is in the name, that's even, like, I'm, no, you're not, it's not a website, it's a, it's a basketball arena. <laughs> I'm still going to call Staples Center. Like, they're going to, you know, they're going to try to make it cool. CCA, uh, I'm going to, <sighs> no, no, it's Staples Center. Like, okay, I'm, I'm with you. And I, that's a good point about the .com, right? Like, the, you put in a .com in the name of the arena, it sounds very late 90s. It sounds like something you would have done in the late 90s. Not yeah. today. Might have just, just probably said crypto arena, but they want so you didn't want the branding all the way. They want you to go to the website. Or, or name it whatever crypto coin. You know what I'm saying? If it was the Doge Arena, like that would sound kind of cool. Or I don't know, something else. But not that. Not crypto.com arena. <laughs> oh. All right. I just I had I had to get I had to get your thoughts on that it's before worse. we moved on. Or the Smoothie King. I mean Oh, what's worse? That or Smoothie King? Probably crypto.com. Probably crypto.com. I don't know, man. Probably crypto.com. Smoothie King. Smoothie King is pretty uh soft. Pretty bad. Like soft, pretty, bad pretty bad. But I'm gonna go with crypto.com as being worse. I think I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with that one. All right. So many things they can use, you know what I mean? To call it, I don't know. Yeah, my, again, my thing is, like, get something that's regional, a company that's really got stronghold in L.A. that ties to the people. I think people can work with that. There are occasions where this works. I think it worked for the Mets in baseball with City Field. I thought that was fine, you know, because they play in New York City. You know, that, that kind of works. It sounds like you, you almost don't even think of the corporation when you think of it. And, and there's certain ways it can work. But when you think of Crypto.com, you absolutely think of the corporation. You know? The City of Angels Arena, that would be cool. You know what I mean? Then I'm telling you, man, they ain't going back to that. If they can't, if yeah. they can't get the, uh, if they can't get some kind of corporate name on it, they're going to give them seven hundred million dollars. That's where we are. That's what people are going to take. That's just where we are today. All right, wanted to give you guys some injury updates about two NBA players that is very important to talk about. Golden State Warriors shooting guard Clay Thompson. He is nearing a return. Although head coach Steve Kerr said after last night's game in Brooklyn. Not as soon as you think. Don't expect to see him anytime within the next month or so. But he has returned to doing some five-on-five work as part of his recovery. And look, anybody who's known about basketball coming back from basketball injuries, once you start getting to that five-on-five work, you start getting in some contact along with the movement. That is a really huge and significant step. Uh, Head coach Steve Kerr said on Monday he played five-on-five. I think he's going to play five-on-five on Wednesday. That would be today. And he said James Wiseman, uh, who's also out injured, didn't play. He hasn't been cleared for five-on-five yet, but Clay is. So that is a a good sign. He said he got good reports on Clay playing a five-on-five. He said the two-year absence requires a lot of work, not just rehab, but the endurance, the strength. So it's great that he's playing five-on-five, but it doesn't mean he's going to be ready to step on the NBA floor next week or something. But he's progressing really well. That's huge for the Warriors, who we'll talk about a little bit later, who had another big win last night in Brooklyn. Now, another player that we should talk about that is really important, and his team is missing him badly because they're one of the worst teams in the league, that is the New Orleans Pelicans. Zion Williamson has been cleared for contact. He will start one-on-one drills now. That's huge for them. Obviously, he's not at the stage where Clay is at. He's not starting five-on-five workouts, but he can get contact doing one-on-one drills. He's obviously going to have to build back his endurance. There's a lot of talk about Zion and how he looked. Looked like he put a little bit of pounds before uh, before he could return. So as he's going to have to work himself back into shape, how long that will take, we don't know. But that's one thing to absolutely keep an eye on. Now, as I talked about at the top, last night here in Brooklyn, New York, where I am, the Golden State Warriors with the best record in the league came into the Clays and beat the breaks. Beat the breaks, I tell you, off of the Brooklyn Nets. And... You can go into this game and talk about how dazzling Steph looked, and he's playing at an MVP level, no doubt. You can talk about the shooting from downtown. He pours in 37 points. Absolutely impressive.
But the thing I'm really impressed about with the Warriors, and we'll talk about this later when Gerard Hector joins the show, it's the defense, man. They look really good defensively. They put the clamps down on the nets in the third quarter. Kevin Durant had a season-low 19 points in this contest. And I'll get to another thing later about the fans at this game. But it was absolutely Curry's night. Uh, this was the two top scores in the NBA and Curry and Durant going on it. The Warriors just love to be playing really fun basketball. I've talked about this before earlier this week. The defense is really excellent. And this is a statement win. And after this game, you had head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, Steve Nash, talking about how the Nets aren't on the level of some of the other teams in the league. They've lost to the Bucks opening night. They lost to the Warriors. They lost to some of the other top teams in the league right now. And he's saying they still have a long way to go. They're 10-5. and five. They've been playing better of late, but against the Warriors, the Warriors overmatched them. They improved to a league-best 12-4. and four. They're 4-1 on the road. So you got to be really impressed. But let's, let's talk about the fans at the Barclays Center last night. Because I was a little bothered by some of what I saw here. Like, or heard, I should say. I was not in the building. And we'll talk to Gerard Hector. My man Gerard Hector was in the building last night for Warriors versus Nets. Steph Curry is killing the Brooklyn Nets. And there were fans in there chanting MVP for Steph Curry. And I know I've been in Nets games before when the Warriors came in, especially at their height between 2015 and 2018. Been in the building before. The Warriors get a lot of fans on the road, a lot of kids who are Steph Curry fans, all good. But there were some points where it was louder than actual Nets fans. You didn't know Nets fans were in the building. Now, I wasn't in the building, but my guy Deontay Prince, who works for the Philadelphia Inquirer, he was in the building taking in the game. And he had a little something to say uh, about this, talking about he was shocked. I'm paraquoting from him. He was shocked that this team was so loud and people so rooting so loudly for the road team when the Nets have some of the biggest star power in the league. I know Kyrie's not there, but they got Kevin Durant and James Carden, and he basically said he couldn't tell that there were fans. Not a good look for the Nets fans at all whatsoever. And they do have two of the biggest stars in the league, and they have a team that many people think can win the NBA championship, and yet the Warriors come in, and they sound a lot louder cheering for them than they do the home team. Not a good look, but... Good win for the Warriors on the road. They are rolling, playing fantastic offense, along with great defense. We'll see what they can do as we go along. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we got Graham Chapel of Peachtree Hoops to talk to us a little bit about the Atlanta Hawks, their start, and how they might be turning things around, what is next for them, what they might want to do with their roster, should there be any changes. All that, we're going to talk some Hawks hoops coming up on the NBA Exchange. Some are always looking for more sports content, and among the glut of sports media, some are looking for sports content that dives a bit deeper and doesn't just stick to sports. So check out Backpack Broadcasting's original long-form sports journalism series, Sideline Stories. The award-winning original series takes viewers directly into underrepresented communities within the world of sports. It's a series that goes beyond traditional sports reporting, like box scores and statistics, presenting exclusive stories that you won't find anywhere else. With a diverse group of correspondents, the series provides interviews and interesting stories around the world of sports, because there is so much beyond the game, and so much that occurs off the field or court that impacts each of us and the world we live in. Giving a voice to athletes, coaches, fans, and everyone involved in athletics, Sideline Stories looks to push sports storytelling further than ever before. It's a winner of the 2020 Independent Shorts Awards, and all episodes of Sideline Stories are available for viewing today on Backpack Broadcasting's YouTube channel and Facebook page. The Sports Walk is back. Watch season four of Backpack Broadcasting's original award-winning web series that brings you the opinions of real sports fans in these streets, literally in these streets. The first three seasons and current season with new episodes every Monday are available now on the Backpack Broadcasting YouTube channel. Check out the 2017 NYC WebFest official selection and see what other sports fans have to say on the hottest issues in sports today. It's easy, y'all. Just take the sports walk.
are all adjusting to this new climate together. We're doing things a little bit differently because the world is different since the last time we did a podcast. And we are still bringing you the podcast you love while living that quarantine life. You use deodorant every day or no? Yes. During the quarantine? Hell yeah! Still discussions of sports, music, and pop culture in a pod where it ain't hard to tell who keeps it real. Don't say that you don't see race. Whenever you say you don't see race, it just shows me how privileged you are in a situation that you don't ever have to think about race. No, look at the words I'm using. Perhaps, possibly, maybe. Is it the smartest thing? Probably not. Is it too soon? I would say so. I went through so many things being short and just people would always underestimate me and always tell me like, you're not gonna make it, you're not good enough. I know, Come on, son. We just talked about this. Whether you listen or watch, stay home, be safe, and subscribe to the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast on YouTube or your favorite audio streaming platforms today. Backpack Broadcasting continues to bring you the best original sports content, but now you can get more of the content you love. For as little as $3 a month, you can get access to bonus content, including behind-the-scenes footage and interviews from the Sports Walk, Sideline Stories, or the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. All this exclusive content comes via Patreon. There are tiered levels of patronage, and each Backpack Broadcasting patron receives exclusive perks. Your support helps Backpack Broadcasting create more of the original content that you love. Visit Backpack Broadcasting's Patreon page and become a patron today. All right, welcome back to the NBA Exchange. I'm your host, Dexter Henry, and we are going to talk a little bit of Hawks hoops. We've got Graham Chappell uh, joining us from Peachtree Hoops. He's got a little bit of an issue. You won't be able to see him for a while, but we got his audio. We have him here. It's a little bit of an issue with his connection, but we will have him here to talk about some Hawks hoops. Graham, what's up, man? Uh, how are you doing, and how is everything with you covering the Hawks? Graham, are you there with us? There with us? Yeah, I am. Okay, perfect. Good, 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 man. Uh, good to talk to you. Glad you are well and everything is fine. I want to talk to you a little bit about the Hawks and this season. They got off to a very slow start at 4-9. I know that was disappointing for a lot of people. What was going on with the Hawks that you saw with them this season that got them off to the slow start? Yeah, it's been a, it's been an odd one because obviously expectations were high and there's been a few different things going on as to why their start's been a little little sluggish. I think even just starting with the Hawks themselves have been a little sluggish. Uh, coming into training camp and preseason, they didn't have a, a ton of time to get the court really played together. There were various injuries going on. Kevin Herter could barely could barely run uh, for preseason. Capella was on a minutes restriction. Uh, for uh, like some Achilles soreness, uh, they were being cautious with other players as well, so they, they didn't have a lot of time to really gel. And so, and players were hurt. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich recently revealed that he had hurt himself during the during the Cleveland game, which was a while ago now. And obviously, they've been on a pretty extensive road trip where it was a pretty tough road trip. The schedule has not really been helped, uh, really been kind to the Hawks. They've played a lot of road games. They went three and won the start of the season. I believe seven of their next nine games were on the road. And there are some tough games like the, the Nets. Uh, they were rough back-to-back with the likes of like a Golden State uh, Jazz back-to-back on the road. That's that's tough. And then playing places like Phoenix and, and Denver. Uh, I'm not saying the schedule is to completely absolve them from some of their early season struggles, but I think it's definitely played a part as well. Yeah, they definitely have had a rough start to the season uh, schedule-wise. But also, Graham, the expectation surrounding the Hawks was very high coming into this season, uh, right? You know, we, we had the Cinderella run, if you want to say, last year, beating the Knicks, beating the Sixers, getting to the conference finals against the Bucks. So a lot of people had the Hawks, hey, they could be a top three team in the East. Do you feel those lofty expectations that people might have had for Atlanta has impacted how they played to start the season? 
I think there's been a few times where they've tried perhaps a little too hard at times to get back into some games they were chasing, but I don't think the expectations as a whole have really have really hindered them. I think some of their defensive issues have held them back. Uh, Clint Capella hasn't totally been healthy early on. Uh, some of his the on the off court numbers between for him for last season compared to this season are are quite uh, are quite startling in in terms of the Hawks defense. So he and he hasn't been completely healthy as well. So I, I wouldn't read too much into uh, a bigger picture like that. I certainly think the Hawks are. I, I would say, I guess you could say them to some extent. They're going through the motions. Uh, one of the things Trey Young talked about after one of the games was that he alluded to was that the regular season is a little, little boring to have to go through this whole, this whole, uh, this whole early season process again. So, I wouldn't say expectations as a whole have held them back. Just other aspects have uh, kind of hurt them early on. You talked about the star of the team, Trey Young, and his start to the season wasn't that great as well, Graham. He, you know, struggling shooting the ball. He talked about the new officiating and how he felt that was affecting a lot of players in the league. What do you make of his start? And do you feel like he's starting to turn it around as well? Yeah, he's definitely started to turn it around. Uh, he's averaging 25 on 45% and 39% from three. So the numbers have definitely kind of come back for Young. And in terms of the officiating, yes, his free throws are, are, are definitely down. A lot of players' uh, free throw attempts across the league are are down one of the, i think some of those comments i think were taken a little bit to the extreme what young has i think has been a little bit more bothered by is that he's not getting calls when he's been either you know taken like he's been taking a lot of contact and not getting calls i think that side of things has uh, something that's kind of bothered him a little bit more than the new the new uh, the new rules coming into play now there's definitely there's definitely times where he goes up to take a shot and he knows he's not like he, I think he sometimes even understands as he goes up like oh I'm not going to get this call has to has to get the way to a teammate but I think the officiating that he's been bothered with I guess more so has been the I guess him just getting battered inside because one of the stories that came out I think it was during the it may have been during the opening broadcast of the season for uh, on TNT when they played the Mavericks was that young I think tried to. I think he went to, I think he sat with Monty McCutcheon and went through some of the, the new rules and uh, tried to get a better understanding of, you know, what would or wouldn't be called. So I think he's, like him, like others, are just adjusting, but I think he's just been a little bit more annoyed that he's not getting some of those calls inside. Yeah, and I've noticed that watching Trey Young, it's not, I think, what a lot of people thought about, and you kind of were alluding to, Graham, is that the calls on the perimeter has been more when he's gone inside. I've noticed that he's gotten hit pretty hard. And that's where I think a lot of players, maybe some of the players that got higher free throw rates in the past are a little frustrated as the calls inside where they're not getting the same calls that they used to. So I can understand Trey's frustration there. I also got to ask you about DeAndre Hunter. Just got the news a few days ago, a broken wrist. He'll miss about two months is what, is what uh, we'll see for DeAndre Hunter. How big is this injury for a guy that was starting to play well, played well last year, and then got hurt during the regular season. How big is this injury, and how much do you think it impacts the Atlanta Hawks going forward? Yeah, it's huge. Uh, it's huge for the the, the short term of the season because, like you like you mentioned, he played well last season. Then one of the big what ifs of the Hawks' postseason run was what you know what if he was healthy in that uh, in that in the obviously the Philly and the Milwaukee series beyond and. Look, he's there. He's arguably their best, their best perimeter defender. Obviously, he you can see that on night one where he really limited uh, Luka Doncic against the against the Mavericks, and they just rely on him to be that uh, a two way player for them. So his absence is going to be really, really uh, sorely missed, both uh, more so defensively, but also offensively when he can. Uh, obviously, go off for and help relieve some of that scoring pressure on the likes of uh, likes of Young. Do you think the Hawks need to shake anything up? You know, anytime a team gets off to a slow start, Graham, you'll hear uh, maybe we need to change things. So one of the things the Hawks have been lauded for uh, before last offseason and going into, into last season was their depth. And we saw that really helped them as they turned things around last season and into the playoffs. They're a very deep team, but there have been some players like a Danilo Gallinari that hasn't looked so great thus far this season. Do you think the Hawks need to make a trade especially in wake of the DeAndre Hunter injury, or should they just play it out with this roster and the depth that they currently have? I think they'll play it out with what they have. And 
if they were in a situation where their big situation was as it is for the whole season, like you've got Capella, Collins, and they had to sign Gorky Jeng in the offseason, I think maybe you might look to maybe leverage one of those wings into a, a big that can help. But they know help will be eventually coming with Onyeka Kongu when he comes back. He looked great in the playoffs. Uh, rookie from rookie last season, sixth overall pick. When he comes back, I think they'll really, they'll really be bolstered by that. So I think they just have to, I think they have enough to get to be getting on with, certainly in terms of uh, offensive firepower, even, and even defensively, look, they won't be as strong as they would be with Hunter, but I still think they've got more than enough to be getting on with. And I don't think they need to really panic. And they may look to shift one of those wings anyway. I, you know, maybe uh, this would be sacrilege to, to the, to the fan base, but you know, possibly Cam Reddish. I wouldn't surprise if they were to look at options revolving him, but I, I, I see them very much staying put and help will come to them when a Kongu comes back and Hunter comes back and they just continue to get their, their uh, the legs underneath them. I want to, since you brought up Cam Reddish there, which I think is the guy you hear a lot. And I know the Hawks fan base hasn't, has been reluctant to let go of him, but they've got a, uh, plethora of guys that, that can play in the wing. Do you think they're able to keep everyone? They just extended Herter. Uh, are they going to be able to keep all of these guys? It feels like somebody would have to go at some point, if not this year, but at some point, right, Graham? Yeah, it certainly feels like like you can't, you can't pay everyone. And I think people are uh, acutely aware of that. And I think one of these wings eventually will have to fall by the wayside. And I would be, look, I would struggle to see it being Hunter, given what he adds on on both ends, reddish. Look, there could be a lot. Of, there could be a lot of upside there. He hasn't had the best start of the season. He's been very up and down. That's kind of been his story the, of the of his young career so far. Uh, he's these are these are guys in year in year. Gosh, <laughs> year 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 uh, year three, I believe. Yeah, uh, got my got my timing mixed up. Well, the, the time uh, the timing's been messed up for all of us the last yeah. couple of years. So I get it. <laughs> yeah. So you mean like you know, these extensions? You know, uh, they, obviously they're uh, extension eligible uh, next summer. So I, I I can't. I find it hard to think they're going to pay all of them. So uh, I expect that sooner or later, one of these guys is going to have to fall by the wayside. Yeah, got you on that. All right, the Hawks after the four nine start, they have won back to back games, Graham. Do you think they're starting to turn things around? You talked about the tough schedule, the recent West Coast trip they were on. They've come back home again. We'll talk about the game against the Celtics tonight. But do you think they're at this point where they're starting to turn things around? They're now 6-9, and nine, getting back into the race in the Eastern Conference. Are the Hawks uh, turning things right around at this point? I think it's too early to tell for the time being. They've, they've just come home. I think they've, just been, they've been buoyed by just being home. They have a good home. They've been playing very well at home, especially under Nate McMillan. Uh, I think they're just happy to be home after what was really a, a really rough trip. Now, in saying that as well, uh, Clint Capella has looked a lot better of late, and I think he will continue to to get better. And like I'm looking at his, uh, I mentioned his the on off court ratings. Uh, their their defensive rating with him on the court 117, uh, which is the worst on the team, and their defensive rating when he's off the court 97.7. Uh, that's that that. Those numbers, like that's that's not the Clint Capella that you know people are accustomed to to seeing. Like, and this this highlights how he has struggled. So the fact that he's looking better can only help the Hawks in because they, they describe him so often as the anchor of their of their defense. And look, when you when look Trey Young, offensive juggernaut, but defensively struggles, and you need strong support at the back to help you when he at the times he is beaten off of the dribble and defend and defend and the offensive player gets in behind. So I think definitely uh, coinciding with his uh, Capella's improved uh, improved look on the court, I think the Hawks will. I think certainly it can they can uh, they can overcome their early struggles. Okay, we'll see what they do. But tonight they have the Boston Celtics uh, down there at State Farm Arena, and the Celtics they've been up and down seven and seven right now. Hawks, as I said, six and nine. What are the keys to the Hawks keeping this going? Two-game spurt they've had, making it a three-game streak. What are the keys for the Hawks to get a win tonight against the Celtics? Well, they're certainly helped by the fact that Jalen Brown, I think, is already ruled out for tonight's game. And if Robert Williams is out as well, that presents a real opportunity for the Hawks, in, certainly in terms of their in their front court, if they have to deploy the likes of uh, Al Horford and even Jabari Parker at the five. That's a situation where Capella and especially John Collins, I think, will certainly really thrive in. 
and I'd be looking for that as an area the Hawks could really target. Uh, they've been, in many ways, just need to keep doing what they're doing in many ways. Like their turnovers have been really strong this year, only 12.7 per game, which is uh, third best in, in the league. They've been doing some good things really well. Their offensive rebounding has been a strength for them. Uh, John Collins has been getting to the free throw line a bit himself of late. Uh, I think they just need to just carry on what they're they've been doing over the last few. Even to the end of that road trip, they were beginning to book some some uh, some the some of the nastier trends. But I definitely think if Robert Williams is missing tonight for the Celtics, I think there's a real opportunity for the likes of Collins and Capella to have to improve. Uh, to continue to show the strong form that they have over the you know, over the very small sample, two games back at home. Yeah, Celtics will be lacking a lot of size there, so that's a way the Hawks can take advantage. Last thing before I let you go, Graham, do you think the Hawks, where do you think they can finish this season? You know, there was a slow start. There were the lofty expectations we talked about at the top of this segment, but where do you see the Hawks in terms of expectations? Where do you see this team going? Can they build upon what they did last season? I think they can, although it might not be apparent in the regular season. I think now that Hunter is out for the extended period, now that obviously a congo has been out uh, all season and might not be back until roughly January, I think it could be a similar situation to last season where you might not see the best of them until the likes of you know January, February, March, when everyone's back together. And will it be too late in terms of a top three seed by that time? It's it's hard to it's hard to say, but I definitely think they can get back obviously back to the playoffs and they've got more than enough i think to get through to the second round with obviously from their matchups and uh, series really will dictate how far they can go by definitely i certainly see them uh, as a as a playoff side with a playoff team with upside to get for uh, get, to get a, to get in a few rounds in here not bad hawks fans will want to see that that's for sure uh, if they play the knicks again knicks fans are not going to want to see what uh, they did to them at the garden that is for sure as well. That is Graham Chapel. He is a writer for Peachtree Hoops. Graham, thanks for joining me. Sorry the webcam didn't work. Next time you're on, I'll definitely see you. We'll get that all worked out. But I really appreciate the time. Thank you, man. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. No problem, Graham. Once again, Graham Chapel, Peachtree Hoops. Go follow him. His writing does a great job covering the Hawks there. We're going to take a very quick break. When we come back, you know what time it is. It's NBA with Nuance time on Wednesday. My man, Gerard Hector, not giving you any hot takes. There he is. You'll see him when we come back on the NBA Exchange. When it comes to public health, we have no more time for alternative ideas. Like, you should be listening to the people who are experts who are trying to help us get out of this. For something as serious as COVID, it's not beneficial to anyone. So don't listen to Aaron Rodgers, don't listen to Kyrie. Get your shots, please, and we can get this fucking over with. Seattle is a basketball town in a lot of ways. There's a lot of NBA players from the area. The only thing we need now is a team to kind of tie the bow back on everything. And that's when I think the city will sort of elevate again. I think you start from the ground up, get the Sonics name back, and just, you know, do the whole thing all over again with the idea that, like, this is here to stay. You should still be able to root for your favorite team without worrying about how it's going to affect the part of your brain that has to do it for a job. All right, welcome back to the NBA Exchange. Your host, Dexter Henry Rockham, with you. Great job talking about some Hawks hoops with Graham Chapel. But joining me now, Gerard Hector. He's a man who doesn't know a damn thing about hot takes at all whatsoever. <laughs> I saw this guy the other night at a, a Nets event we were at together, and he was at Nets Warriors last night. Before we get I got to ask you, Gerard. Mm. I, I, I saw, I talked about this at the top of the show. My man, Deontay Prince, was tweeting about this. And were the Nets fans really not there for the Nets last night? Because on TV, I could hear them chanting for the Warriors. What did you think about the energy in the building that you saw last night for Nets Warriors? I mean, Dex, it hasn't been any different than what we've seen from the Nets even before Kevin Durant and James Harden and all those guys were there. It was, hey, here goes some, some guys. Cool. We'll cheer for them. But when the visiting team comes in, oh, that's who we actually came here to see. Now, to be fair, we are talking about Steph Curry, two-time MVP, and a player who has captured the imagination of not just 
diehard NBA fans. And I think that's kind of, if you're a diehard NBA fan, you probably root for a team. So, you know, the diehard fans are probably mostly Steph, uh, are mostly Warriors fans. But the casual fan, the casual fan loves this dude, man. They love the Warriors. They love shooting threes and how he stunts and shimmies. And he was stunting and shimmying on the nets all night last night. He, he was doing that. And you heard that. But Gerard makes a good point. That is how it has been at the Clays for quite some time. I think what's maybe more shocking is the Nets now have the star power. And you're still seeing some of that energy there. I think that's That's the thing. thing. It's shocking, Dexter. You hit that on the head. You have Kevin Durant, who might be the best player in the world. James Harden, a former MVP. We ain't going to talk about Kyrie Irving and his non-vaccinated self because he wasn't there. But those two dudes enough should get you some kind of but that goes to show you how, again, for the casual fan, how for whatever reason, despite those players' brilliance, they don't capture the hearts and minds the way that a Stephen Curry does. Very interesting. Something to watch as we progress throughout the season. But NBA with Nuance Wednesday, you know we got to talk about something and give you some nuance where we look a little bit deeper than the numbers and what the eye test just might tell you on the court. Gerard, sure. we talked about offense at the start of this year, how the offensive uh the shooting numbers were down and i think there was a lot of attention on offense but a lot hasn't been talked about defense and there are some defensive numbers that are currently up right now in the league are nba defenses looking better this season when you look at the numbers it says that but is that also what your eyes are telling you yes the numbers are saying that and my eyes are telling me that i think what we're seeing dexter is we are seeing defenses now with a little bit of help from the officiating change, and we can get into that again, they've caught up to the offenses. It, it was silly to think that, okay, once we got the pace and space error in, ball movement, prioritizing corners, corner threes, layups, and free throws, that it would just be offense forever and defense would never catch up, right? Particularly in a game like basketball where there's a limited amount of people on the court and one player can make a huge impact. Uh, see three-time defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert, see Draymond Green last night uh, for the Golden State Warriors. Um, we are seeing defenses improve. There's something that I, I saw today, and I was like, wow. The top third of the league, Dexter, so the top 10 teams in defensive rating, all have an adjusted defensive rating of 104 or better. That means, per 100 possessions, the best defenses in the league are giving up 104 points and less. That is outstanding, considering what we've seen from an offensive standpoint in the NBA over the last, I don't know, six, seven, eight years. I do think it's, it's wildly, it's wildly impressive. And that kind of leads me to the next question I have. I think you bring up an interesting point in that people said, Oh, well, the game has exploded. It's more wide open. It's more spread. So we've seen all these offensive numbers go up. And I do think it was a little bit foolish to think that the defense wouldn't catch up as well. I completely agree with you on that. The thing I'll say is, okay, seeing good defense now, some of the shooting numbers have been down. We've sort of intertwined that possibly with being linked to the officiating. But do you think this defense that we're seeing in the league, with the teams you just mentioned in that third of the league, do you see that as sustainable as we go throughout the rest of the season? I do, because I'm looking at the teams that are in that top third, and they're excellent defensive teams. I mean, they're the Golden State Warriors, who, you know, <laughs> we know about them. Best team in the league right now through 14 games. The L.A. Clippers, surprisingly, number two defense in the league. Maybe not surprisingly. Paul George and Ty Lue is an excellent coach. The Denver Nuggets. Yo, Nikola Jokic is a plus defender, according to all defensive metrics, which is, yo. The Wizards, I mean, <laughs> that may be – the Wizards, you may look at them like, all right, they're not sustainable, but listen, uh, the way they have schemed up right now, they're playing well. Boston – we know about uh, Ime Yudoka, and they've got wings who can guard, and they have a defensive culture there. Of course, Utah. Of course, Miami. Chicago's another one where we're like, okay, maybe they're not sustainable. But listen, uh, head coach Billy Donovan has players and a system in that he likes and his guys have bought into. Cleveland, with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, though Mobley is now hurt, uh, going to miss two to four weeks with a mild elbow strain. Um, and the Phoenix Suns, who made the NBA Finals last year. So, yeah, looking at the teams in the top ten, I think for sure they can. most of them can remain there. And – the other thing we're looking at is the way that defense has been drilled and skilled now by these teams and coaches with their systems. These guys can play it well. I see that Greg's got a clip up that uh, the great Mo Kill put up there. The big thing we're seeing now is guys understand what it is offenses are doing 
and knowing where they have to be and where they need to go out and recover to. You know, we always look at defense decks here and we see, oh my God, so-and-so raced out to the corner and defended. And did that isn't always necessarily a sign of good defense being played. You ask yourself, well, why do they have to race out to the corner to cover that three, right? What was the breakdown that happened two beats before that caused someone to have to over-rotate and sprint out, right? And what you're seeing with these top 10 teams are, they're where they belong. They have the best angles. I mean, defense, we always talk about it so much a matter of effort. Of course, coaching and skill matters. But some of it, of it too, Dexter, is simple things like your angle to your man in front of you, right? If you're standing straight up and your hips are open, like you're getting cooked, right? The guy's going to go right by you, which now forces stress on everybody else behind you. Now we're in scramble mode. So it's little things like that. But I'm seeing it better across the league. All right, so you think that you think that it is sustainable. And you actually went through some of the impressive defensive teams, the ones that are in that top third um, of, of the league there. The one thing I think that somebody might push back and say is, okay, it's still early. We're only talking about 13, 14 games here. You can see a team that was in the bottom maybe jump up. I just watched this other night with the Knicks. They were 25th in defensive rating. They had a good defensive game against the Pacers. They jump up to 17, right? Do you still think we will see a lot of fluctuation early or these teams that have established themselves as pretty good and that are pressing will still stay there in that top third of the league? I think it's a great question. We're starting to see those, those things shift out a little bit now because, as you mentioned, we're about, for a lot of teams, 14 to 15 games in. And for an 82-game season, the 20-game mark is what I look at. That's a quarter of the way through. So we're going to be the 20-game mark in about a week here. Five more games to go, and everybody will be around 20. The top 10, 20 games in, that's what I'm going to be looking at to see who's where. And for the most part, uh, that's likely going to remain, give or take some fluctuations within the 10. That's pretty much going to be the top 10, barring, of course, a ma- like, you know, Draymond gets injured for the Warriors, well, they're going to plummet. Like, right, a, a major thing like that will cause that kind of change. But generally, what we see by that point is usually what looks good from a defensive standpoint. And again, I, I, a lot of these teams can maintain. Yeah. Well, see, I think 20-game mark is a good time, but we'll see uh, if teams are what they believe that they are, have shown that they could be. Talk about the Warriors real, real quick. Best defensive rating in the league. They're currently at 98.6 right now in terms of defensive rating. Excuse me, 98.9. Wanted to make sure I get that number right. So I, I, I actually, really quick, this, I use adjusted defensive rating and not the oh, one so the use- NBA use. NBA uses, okay. Because mm-hmm. the NBA just uses flat-out defense, which is a, a great metric. The reason why I like the adjusted defensive rating is because it takes into account who your opponents are, right? And to be yes. fair, the Warriors have played the easiest schedule in the league. That being said, even with the adjusted defensive rating, they're still number one in the league at 100.6 points per game. So I just wanted to put that out there. Gotcha. No, I'm glad I'm glad you explained to people the difference between defensive rating and adjusted defensive rating, which adjusted defensive rating is actually a more uh, – nuanced statistic if you if you look at it that way because it accounts like you said for the opponent all right there warriors also should be noted are number one in net rating in the league right because they are top three offensive team as well but when you look at what they're doing what is it 100.6 mm-hmm. in the adjusted defensive rating mm-hmm. right and even if you look at defensive rating there hasn't been a team with defensive rating that's been under 100 in six mm-hmm. seasons right mm-hmm. we're talking about how much better the defense has been in the league this year the Warriors in particular, and particularly what you saw them do last night against the Brooklyn Nets with two superstars who can score a lot of points, Gerard, do you think they can keep it at this high level? Because they look really good. Like everybody's bought into the schemes offensively, but also defensively too. So I think you hit the nail on the head. Everybody is bought in. The Warriors have an identity, right? They know who they are as a team and how they like to play on offense and on defense, right? We know it's the read-react system on offense, and we know the aggressive schemes they play on defense. After they won, they went to the finals in 19 and lost to the Raptors after KD tore his Achilles and Clay got hurt. The next two years, everybody's like, ah, Warriors dead, Dynasty's over, all this. Well, in that iteration, sure. But what happened in those two years? All the players who came into Golden State during that time Steve Kerr played the same system, right? They did all the same things. What's happened is the guys who managed to stay, who they brought in, know, oh, this is how we do things here, right? It takes some time to learn. And they had the benefit of, in many ways, being terrible in that year after they they went to the finals when Steph broke his hand and winning 15 games. And then the following year, when they last season, when they uh, made the play-in but lost to the Grizzlies and really second half of the year, things came together and they 
rose there some so the, to the top top of the league in defense. Those things were critical for the Warriors players understanding what they want defensively. Of course, we know who Draymond is, Draymond Green is, defensive player of the year as it stands right now today. If I if I were voting, um, the, the league's best quarterback on defense just understands everything. And that game last night, you saw some amazing things, Dex. He's calling out Nets plays to his teammates. So he's on Kevin Durant defending, and he's saying to Steph, Steph, Patty Mills screen is coming. Do not switch. Right? Like, literally, you can hear him saying that. And I'm like, okay. Draymond, like, knows what he wants to do. They know what they want to do. And it really is phenomenal to see. And it's not just Draymond. It's Kevon Looney. It's, I mean, Andrew Wiggins, for all the, you know, crap that we give him because he was a number one pick, he's an excellent defender. And playing in the Warriors with the Warriors have really – gotten a lot of the bad habits out of his game and you know listen so if you if you go back and look at the Warriors in 15 when they had Harrison Barnes well Wiggins is in the Harrison Barnes role right now Wiggins is a better player than Harrison Barnes I mean and that team won a championship right so just saying uh and Steph Curry this is the best he has looked on defense in his entire career he's not just engaged he's actually He's actually going for steals, like drawing charges. I mean, he he's always a good team defender and knew, knew where he had to be because the basketball IQ is so high. But his individual defense is the best it's been in his career. And if they're doing that, Dex, shit. Scary, scary times. He's looking like a That's scary play. hours. You know, James Harden's like, oh, yeah. Brooklyn scary. No, 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 no. That team, <laughs> that is scary hours if he's doing that. Oh, man, the Nets fans ain't going to like that at all whatsoever, giving scary hours <laughs> to somebody else. Not going to like that. Now, I want to talk about, before we wrap this segment, I wanted to talk about another team uh, to you that you texted and told me the other day. And I was like, what? <laughs> I said this, I think, for the very first episode of the show. I was not a big believer in the Chicago Bulls. My concern with the Chicago Bulls was what they could do on defense. Were they going to be able to stop anybody? And look, I might have to eat some crow through 14 <laughs> games or so. They're stopping people. And I've watched them win a couple of games with their defense down the stretch. They are in the top 10 in defensive rating and adjusted defensive rating now currently in the league. What are you liking about the Chicago Bulls that you have seen through this 10-4 and four start where they are second in the Eastern Conference? Again, this is year two for Billy Donovan, right? So your system gets to go in another year. Your player, The players who remained are bought in again at the point of attack and on the perimeter. Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso. Look, you can say what you want about Alex Caruso and like, ah, he was a Lakers hype. And you know how certain media people like to talk about certain types of players. I'll just leave it at that. You guys with nuance can mm. figure it out. However, those things are warranted. Caruso is an excellent on-ball defender. Really, really good, as is Lonzo Ball. And Zach Levine playing in the Olympics with Draymond Green and Kevin Durant and those elite players. He learned something. Not just, all right, I'm beating all these great guys, whatever. Oh, this is what championship-level work ethic is like. You know how like, you, you think you choke to something and you work hard, and then you go with someone who's like at the top of their craft. You're like, oh, I thought what I was doing was hard work. Oh, no, no, no. What these cats do. This is hard work. And every player that spends time on an Olympic team their first year, and they win that goal and come back. You see immediate dividends when they get to their team. And they are bought in on that end of the floor. Um, you know, DeMar DeRozan's doing what he can. They Listen, I think the Bulls' defense is legitimate. They are eighth cool. in adjusted, adjusted defensive rating, and they are fourth in adjusted net rating in the league right now. Um, look, are they going to be a top three seed in the East all season? I don't know. Uh, time will tell, right? We'll see where things shake out. But I, I am, because I was like you, Dexter. I was like, oh, DeMar DeRozan, great. What's that going to do? Like, no, no, no. Like, I mean, listen, top five MVP, MVP frontrunners right now. I got DeRozan his fifth, man. Like, he's up there. The Bulls are playing well. And they're, you know, every so often the league shifts, right? Things change. And when you get the right pieces and the right ingredients in that stew together of a team and it works out, it's like making booyah bays. It's like, woo, we're cooking now. And uh, through 15 games or 14 games, I'm liking what the Bulls are doing. I, it's, for, it's funny. When we talk about whether their defense is legit or not, you talked about the point of attack, Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, and what they can do there. And they have absolutely been impressive. 
The pushback, I think, with the Bulls is like, okay, what happens when they play a team that can hurt them on the interior? Teams that might have a little bit of size. Mm -hmm. Interior Mm -hmm. interior Mm -hmm. defense is not that great. Uh, Nikola Vucevic, not that great of a defender. We know all that. Are you concerned? You You think they're legit on defense, but are you concerned that maybe they regress to the mean or come down to an average defense because of what they lack on the interior? Yeah, I mean, Vooch, Vooch definitely has me concerned a little bit just because we, we know what he is, right? Um, I think for them, the question is, what ultimately ends up happening with Patrick Williams, right? Like, what do they do there? Like, is he someone that, that becomes, you know, uh, someone they can, they can fully rely on? You know, are, is there a trade they're able to make, you know, sometime at the trade deadline to, to bolster up that interior? So that is something to, to keep an eye on for sure. But, I mean, look, man, they're competing. So much of defense, as I mentioned before, is about effort and, and knowing for the team part, knowing where you have to be, right? Like, number one, where am I supposed to be when we're doing X, right? So many teams that you see, you're like, wow, how do they give it that wide open, whatever. Sometimes it's about the offense, but most of the time it's because somebody screwed up on defense that wasn't where they were supposed to be, right? And, it, again, it causes stress on, the, on, on their teammates to have to cover and rotate and help. That is, that is true. We will see just how legit the Bulls' defense will be and where they are in the standings right now, 10-4, and four, looking good in the Windy City. All right, quick break. When we come back, NBA picks. Gerard and I, we didn't do so good last week. <laughs> it was not good at all. Y'all lost some money last week. <laughs> Y'all lost some money last week. You looked at us after Gerard told you to stick with us to win money. We'll talk about that when we come back on the NBA Exchange. <laughs> Some are always looking for more sports content, and among the glut of sports media, some are looking for sports content that dives a bit deeper and doesn't just stick to sports. So check out Backpack Broadcasting's original long-form sports journalism series, Sideline Stories. The award-winning original series takes viewers directly into underrepresented communities within the world of sports. It's a series that goes beyond traditional sports reporting, like box scores and statistics, presenting exclusive stories that you won't find anywhere else. With a diverse group of correspondents, the series provides interviews and interesting stories around the world of sports, because there is so much beyond the game, and so much that occurs off the field or court that impacts each of us and the world we live in. Giving a voice to athletes, coaches, fans, and everyone involved in athletics, Sideline Stories looks to push sports storytelling further than ever before. It's a winner of the 2020 Independent Shorts Awards, and all episodes of Sideline Stories are available for viewing today on Backpack Broadcasting's YouTube channel and Facebook page. The Sports Walk is back. Watch season four of Backpack Broadcasting's original award-winning web series that brings you the opinions of real sports fans in these streets, literally in these streets. The first three seasons and current season with new episodes every Monday are available now on the Backpack Broadcasting YouTube channel. Check out the 2017 NYC WebFest official selection and see what other sports fans have to say on the hottest issues in sports today. It's easy, y'all. Just take the sports walk. When we do what we do, we like to do it for the people. We try to tell y'all that we're doing that with these NBA bets, picks that we make. Last week, though, <laughs> not good. Oh, and four, Gerard and I, we didn't come through for you with one win, not one. Oh, and four last week, except we're confident. It's all about that bounce back mindset. You know what I'm saying? You take an L, you got to be ready to come back. We're ready to bounce back this week with some picks that I'm feeling pretty good about. Gerard. Oh, what's the first game you got tonight? What are you feeling good about tonight in terms of that? Uh, listen, man, you, you were right. We we let the people down last week. Look, it happens sometimes, guys. Like, you know, can't be all the time. Uh, but tonight, I'm going to uh, New Orleans because, I mean, first of all, why, why would you even want to go to New Orleans? Like, I mean, let's see the Pelicans. I mean, they <laughs> – no, forget that. Scrap that. I'm going to Portland, Chicago. Portland's one and a half point favorites. I'm going Bulls in that game. 
money line plus 100. We just talked about the Bulls' excellent defense. Um, Portland, look, man, Dame can say whatever he wants about, uh, you know, I'm not going to get a trade. You know, I don't want to be, I don't, I don't want to move. I'm going to stay here and work it out. Well, it ain't looking like that on the court, my guy. Out on that, Chicago Bulls, baby, to win that in Portland tonight. Plus 100, mm-hmm. taking the Bulls outright. Okay, not bad there. My first game, keeping it in New York, the Orlando Magic at the New York Knicks. The Knicks are 11 and a half point favorites. Woo! This is the third time these teams are playing already this seri- season. Uh, the season series is tied at one with the Magic winning the second game, 110 to 104 at Madison Square Garden on October 24th. Uh, the Magic, they can't put the ball on the hoop really effectively. They rank 28th in the league in scoring at 98, excuse me, 99.9 points a game, just under 100. So the Knicks, the concern here for me has been the defense with the Knicks. Hasn't looked so good lately in the last seven games. Did look good in the last game against the Indiana Pacers at home, especially in the fourth quarter. Can they continue that? That's the key. However, because I don't trust the Knicks defense right now, I can't take them with that minus 11 and a half. A little bit too high for me. I can see the Knicks possibly giving away some points later. So I looked for some value here. Where could I find some value? BetMGM has the Knicks' margin of victory to win anywhere from 6 to 10 points, and it is plus 350. That's pretty mm-hmm. good. I can rock with that. Like we can, we can go with that. Plus 350, I think the Knicks can play good enough defense against this Magic team, win between 6 to 10 points. Give me that. Knicks to win by 6 to 10 points, plus 350. Book it. That's the one I'll take. What you got next, Gerard? So back to the New Orleans-Miami Heat game. In Miami, uh, Heat are eight-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, look, the Pelicans, I mean, they are <laughs> what they are. Like, they're a dumpster fire right now. Although, yeah. although, although, rumor has it that Zion's demise greatly overstated, and he's looking good, and he'll be back soon. Just got cleared for one-on-one uh, recently, so we'll see. But they went in tonight <laughs> against the Miami Heat, so I'm going Heat straight up minus eight-and-a-half. Heat straight up, minus eight and a half. That puts a smile to the face of Brian Fonseca, <laughs> as we know uh, that it would. My final game of the night, the one where I think you get some decent value. And look, I don't know if too many people are going to be tuning into this game unless you are a big-time league pass junkie. But the Sacramento Kings Oof. are at the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah, George, oh, yes. God. Sacramento toilet bowl. Kings, <laughs> t- toilet bowl. Minnesota, and I could say this to some degree, unbelievably because they're at home, are favored by two points. Not quite sure why. Look, I got concerns about Minnesota. There's a lot of stuff going on there where I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Carl Anthony Towns, clearly the best player on the team, is third on the team in shot attempts. Watch this last game that the Minnesota played. They blew another lead against Phoenix. You got D'Angelo Russell taking 20-foot step-back jumpers at the end of the game. No shots for Carl Anthony Towns. They look a mess. We know about Cat liking tweets saying that he needs to get up out of Minnesota. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> now, conversely, Gerard, the Kings, they've been their own kind of mess, but hate to say it, they seem a little bit more together than that's the Minnesota that's sad, Timberwolves. That's sad if you're the Timberwolves. <laughs> I, that is sad if you're the Timberwolves, right? You got me saying that the Kings have it more together than you. Minnesota, don't like them in this game. Two and six at home this season. Sacramento's been four and four on the road. They've had some big victories, including a win at Phoenix, Harrison Barnes. Getting the game winner there. Sacramento, also the reports came out. I talked about this on the show the other day. Luke Walton coaching for his job. He's made mm-hmm. some changes to the starting lineup. I like Sacramento. I think they're going to be playing for Luke Walton hard. I think they're more together than the Timberwolves on the road. They know this is a big roadrun for them. They're ending a four-game trip, looking to finish it at 2-2. Two and two. Great opportunity in Minnesota. Give me the Kings plus the points on the road. Will I watch this game? Probably not. Will I bet on the Kings? <laughs> Absolutely. There you go. So give me the Knicks. And Knicks with that prop bet winning six to ten points. The Kings taking the points at the Timberwolves. And you got the heat against a dumpster fire that is the Pelicans. Mm-hmm. And the you will also be you also mm-hmm. be taking the Bulls over the Blazers. So there we go. Facts. Do you, do you trust that we won't go 0-4? We definitely not going on for this week. Tomorrow, somebody, somebody getting a win this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I almost, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one pick. I almost thought about taking, and I stayed away and was like, "Nah, man, you can't do that." I almost thought thought about taking the Rockets 
over the Thunder. Another joy of a game that people are running to watch. <laughs> oh. I, I almost thought about that because I was like, the rocket streak of 12 games has to end at some point or not. And maybe you'll end tonight against the Thunder. You, you, you know, it was another game that people should keep an eye on. Second out of a back-to-back for Brooklyn. They're favored by 10.5 over Cleveland. Cleveland's playing well. I just mentioned Evan Mobley's out. Some of you might want to go straight up money line on Cleveland because second out of a back-to-back after getting shellacked by, by Golden State last night. I don't know, man. That's might suffer their first two-game losing streak of the season. Yeah, okay. That would be interesting. Keep your eyes on that. I don't think we go... 0-4 this week. I think we go 4-0. That's how confident I am. So just, I think we go 4-0. So check, check out these bets. Might work out well for you. If it doesn't work out well for you, just come back next week. You don't got to blame us. You got to blame us on that at all whatsoever. That's going to be a wrap on this episode of the NBA Exchange. Special thanks to the guests that we had earlier. Graham Chapel of Peachtree Hoops talking to us about the Hawks. Also, my man Gerard Hector here. With, you know what we do every Wednesday NBA with nuance. Nuance. I won't baby. see. I won't see Gerard on this show again till after Thanksgiving because we won't have any shows this week because we're breaking because we're thankful to get some rest. Listen, as man, too. we need it. Happy Thanksgiving early to you and yours, Dexter. Thank Everybody you, out there enjoys a safe uh, and healthy Thanksgiving week. We'll see you the week after. Yeah, hopefully everybody enjoys that. Uh, eat too much. Make sure to stay healthy and try to lose some of those pounds you might put on as well too. Definitely do that. Before we get out of here, just want to let everybody know. If you are inclined to support the shows like this that we do on Backpack Broadcasting, please check out the Patreon link in the show notes, whether you are listening to this or watching this uh, wherever you are. Your support is definitely encouraged to help us continue to make such great content. So this Wednesday edition of the NBA Exchange, we're out. Peace and love, y'all.